0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the newest special of The Modern Method. Uh, This one is over the Russian-Ukrainian crisis. I am struggling to call it a war right now because I haven't heard any declarations yet, but that seems to be where things are going. It's been a minute since we have uh, been on, so this one is actually not part of a season. This is just one of our special episodes and the first of. So what we're talking about today is obviously the issue that's going on with Russia invading Ukraine and what NATO has or has not done about it, and it's just a general discussion about things and maybe even some predictions or fact-backed predictions and things like that. So we have a new guest on today. His name is Aaron. Aaron and I are co-workers now, and I'm just going to let him give a little introduction of himself so that you can learn a little bit more about him. Aaron.
1: All right. Hi guys. Uh, yeah, my name is Aaron and, um, yeah, like Eric said, I'm his coworker. I'm the, uh, staff accountant there. Um, I mean, even though I do accounting, I guess some of my favorite stuff to talk about is history, politics, um, you know, obviously sports, but you know, that's not (laughs) the topic of today. Um, And, uh, yeah, I'm from Florida, and I have a bachelor's from the University of Central Florida, and I moved up to Colorado Springs uh, two years ago. So uh, I look forward to, you know, talking with everybody.
0: (laughs) And most of the subjects that we even talk about, too, we don't say that we're experts on them. We're mostly self-taught. Maybe some of us have some, like, actual education in some subjects, but it by no means means that we are an expert. So we like to have our sources cited for things so that we can sort of build a little bit more credibility, especially as we talk about subjects like today. So just a quick background on what is happening in the world. So uh, two days ago, Russia actually launched bombs and physically invaded Ukraine after they annexed the Donbass region, which is in southeastern Ukraine, bordering Russia um, over by I guess you could even say it's close to Volgograd, which is historically Stalingrad, and I'll get to some of that in a minute. Um, so at this point, where we're at right now today is that Russia is moving in on Kyiv. I have the tendency to call it Kiev just because that's how I've heard it pronounced most of my life, but I, you can pronounce it either way. If you hear me say that, then that's what I'm talking about. So... I guess we should just go over first why Putin even wanted to do this in the first place. And I have this article up from BBC, um, just to give some background on there, where if you ask Biden, he's going to tell you things like Putin decided that Ukraine was building up armaments or doing drill practices too close to the border and he needed to defend himself. So he started building up a mass of soldiers um, along the Donbas border and up towards belarus um over the last few months he's placed several hundred thousand soldiers there including tanks and aircraft and things like that obviously in preparation to do something about it so according to putin himself though the reason why he is even doing this is because he wants nato to return to their original borders that they had set in 1997 which was what they had agreed with the former soviet union of as to where they were going to stop where the um, borderline was where NATO military presence was going to be at. Um, And at this point, he wants them to return to where they were. And I'm just going to quote the article here. Mr. Putin wants NATO to remove its forces and military infrastructure from member states that joined the alliance from 1997 and not to deploy strike weapons near Russia's borders. That means Central Europe, Eastern Europe, and the Baltics. So Ukraine is not part of NATO. The Baltics are. And Putin doesn't want anybody else joining NATO because that would give them cause to actually react physically. So we'll just start the discussion now um, sort of just with what has happened and um, what is the significance that Ukraine even has in the first place? Does anybody want to start chipping in on that?
2: Well, I know, like, um, we can – I know the Ukraine's um, resources are very um, key. It's, it's it's all about location because you can get the seaports to the Black Sea from there because really what does Russia have, the North Sea?
0: Well, they have the North Sea, which is mostly – it's covered in ice half the year. And really, the Black Sea is only their only warm water port. And that is exactly why they invaded Crimea in the first place in mm-hmm. 2014, last time they stuck their nose out like this. But it didn't even really – it wasn't like this. They didn't actually right. go into the country. So, Sevastopol is the port itself that they wanted to get.
2: Mm-hmm. And on top of it, too, I mean, Ukraine's also a pretty big oil field, too, because you're right by Stalingrad there. Well, right, right. So, and Russia doesn't want to use their oil because they got – what, what are they, number two or number one in oil exports? number support? two in
0: oil um, exports. Export. Uh, in next to Saudi Arabia.
2: Yeah, and I mean, they probably have them. I
0: mean, look how big their country is. They probably have enough oil to sustain them for a while. The resources are probably more important to us than they are to Russia at this point. It's not really, they're important to, Ukraine's important to us for a lot of reasons. And obviously an abundance of natural resources is one of them because you don't want everything to be controlled by Russia.
1: Mm-hmm. Although Russia
0: is saying that they recognize Ukraine as one nation. So this is, again, a quote from the same article. Last year, President Putin wrote a long piece describing Russians and Ukrainians as one nation. And he has described the collapse of the Soviet Union in 1991 as the disintegration of historical Russia. So it has more historical value to Russia than it does necessarily natural resources. But that's also a boon for them if they could take it. Mm-hmm. Um, But the really, the entire reason that he wants it, and we covered this in a previous podcast, actually, the what if. uh, Oh, yeah, um, like during the Russian Revolution. Right. So the entire idea of what the collapse of the Soviet Union even meant and why it's so important to Putin right now is we had 22 independent republics literally overnight get – turned off from Russia and they're all independent at this point. And that's why they have been struggling so much because they had to come up with their own governments. All of a sudden they had mm-hmm. independent economies that were largely fueled by St. Petersburg and Moscow and maybe a couple other places throughout the, well, I'm mean, going call it an empire, but it was the union. Yeah. And that's like the same thing as us losing a state to him. Yeah, And us wanting to take it back. So you can kind of understand it there. And his whole thing, since he invaded um, Ukraine two days ago has been, we are not going to, we're not focusing on civilians. We're not attacking civilians. We don't want this. I we just, I just to... got a
2: notification that a, there's a video of a missile hitting a residential building
0: out there. Like, well, really? look, there are tons. So actually, Aaron showed me this, um, this Reddit <laughs> channel that um, I think I sent it to you, Jesse, of that fighter jet just ripping through oh, yeah, I saw that. Northern Ukraine and just launching missiles like just to, nothing, like just to do it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yep and then there's uh tons of images of missiles just like that didn't even explode in the middle of streets yeah i saw
0: those too like they just they get stuck in there they literally yep.
1: come down and it's just
0: and it just sits there and doesn't do anything and they're just there and i don't know if that means that they're pretty incompetent and aren't able to like make proper weaponry or anything yeah, but why, why would not? they just blow up they're running people over in cars with tanks did you see that video no, I didn't. It's, that's all over CNN now, too. There's this um, this old man. He must have been in like his 70s or something, driving through the streets in Ukraine, trying to leave. There's nobody else out there. And this tank literally pivots and rushes this guy and just pins him up against the guardrail and runs the car over and flattens it like half. But he lived. They, they ended up a bunch of other civilians helped dragging him, drag him out of the wreckage and stuff. But what the
1: fuck? Yeah, luckily he didn't die. I mean, like, literally being run over by a tank. <laughs> like the, and, I mean, I don't know why, like, this doesn't, all these things that we're seeing come out, like, especially from, like, that
0: Reddit channel and things like that make it to mainstream news outlets and stuff. How does that bode well for his, for, you know, Putin's excuse to go in and, and demilitarize Ukraine or something like that?
1: Well, I think most of the time, or for the most part, what I've been seeing in a lot of these videos is uh, a lot of these soldiers don't even realize what they were sent in there for in the first place. Well, the They're message just, is like, so convoluted the in the first
0: place. It's like, also, give a young guy a gun in a tank and watch and see what happens. We we kind of saw this happen in um, when we invaded Iraq. I, saw, I remember seeing a video, and I don't remember where I saw it, but there were a couple soldiers in a tank because playing, they had a radio in there somehow. I didn't even know tanks had radios. Maybe it was, like, separate that they had brought with them. But they started playing Van Halen while they were just tearing through a town and literally just shooting people. Now, that doesn't mean that that was, that's prudence' directive. That doesn't mean that's what he wants. Because that's certain, I would hope, that wasn't what we wanted to have happen was just go in there and just light things up. But that's what happens when you give soldiers this free reign to go into a country and just start shooting.
1: Well, I... Also, I think that a lot of Russia's population doesn't even realize why Russia is in Ukraine. Um, I actually saw a video um, of a captive Russian that was basically, you know, he had a cell phone like held up to him and he's like, they're like, okay, you can call your parents. So he calls his parents and he's like hi mom um yeah i'm a captive right now and they're like what do you mean you're a captive he's like yeah i'm a i'm a captive and they're like where and he's like in ukraine and they're like why 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 are you in ukraine where in ukraine what and like they were just like completely blown away by the fact that he was even there let alone a captive and they're like what do we do about this and they're like he's like yeah you just gotta like you know try and talk to the higher up command to see like what you can do. And they're like, well, we didn't even know you were there. So
0: right.
1: yeah. I
0: mean, yeah. if you, t- if you talk to any, like, you know, average Russian or something and I have, well, have slash had a couple <laughs> pen pals, actually this, this whole thing kind of is, is kind of souring being able to even have friends in Russia at this point, because even if you don't bring it up, they want to talk about it and they see, Ukraine, as whatever they're being told, and I don't know what the Russian, like, Channel One news outlet is, is telling everybody. It's obviously nothing probably close to accurate, but um, everybody, most people support it, it seems like. There are big groups in Moscow that I saw that were protesting the war that don't think that this is right, but it, it's so hard to get, even get through to them because their information is so filtered with that
1: helps mm-hmm. and they try to keep themselves still
2: secluded out you know from everybody else
1: and if you're yeah. caught protesting you're instantly arrested so right or
0: instantly arrested and probably just killed
1: <laughs> uh, i'm you
0: surprised there wasn't a firing
2: squad out there waiting for those protesters
0: <laughs> i mean this right is wrong. also a country still that um there was this movement i want to say like 2018 or something called i am ivan which is about a russian protester who was homosexual that decided that he wanted to, you know, create this movement over homosexuality being accepted in Russia and things like that. And his friends were literally just killed for it because they were causing a mess that I guess they didn't want. And he was in prison for it. Um, I actually don't know what happened to him, but that just shows, like, how backward this country, that country still is. Mm -hmm. And what their value system is still like. And it still reflects that very much of the soviet union and there are still so many people that are old enough that remember living in that that want it back because all they ever knew was what they had what they had with the soviet union which was arguably a better situation than what they had with the russian empire especially towards the end because they absolutely weren't taking care of people i'm not saying the government was malicious in the way that the soviet union was but it absolutely wasn't helping its people so of course there was an uprising for it and then all of a sudden in 1991, your economy completely tanks. Mafias are running everything, including food supply. There's a huge famine. There's a shortage of children being born now because nobody has any food. There's all these terrible things. Of course, you probably want what you knew before and fuck anybody who's gonna try to come stop you. Before I had mentioned um, the Donbas region, and I think that's important because we should start talking about where we've seen this before And Aaron, you and I have sort of talked about this offline. I'm just gonna share this map that I found on that same BBC article that I was citing before. So this is Eastern Ukraine. And if y'all wanna toggle that with this map, so this is just Google Maps. So this is Ukraine before the Russian invasion. Well, Uh I can go this, this is actually where it cuts off because that's where Sevastopol is. This is Crimea. This is the whole of Ukraine. This is Russia. This is the Donbass region. So if we zoom in closer to that, I'm getting everything mixed up here. Uh, These are the regions that are separatist regions that are, I guess you could say more neutral or Russian-backed. And uh, right down here, it just says Russian-backed separatist-held areas. And then this was um, back in 2014 or something. So both of these regions together are called the Donbass region. And the two separate regions are the Donetsk People's Republic, And the Luhansk People's Republic. So they annexed this area. There was no fighting. There was no nothing. And they just sort of walked in and just took it. And if you want to look at that further, they were able to take this region here, which is the same region we just talked about. They had troops all along this border and probably near Minsk, which is now Belarus, which is northern Ukraine over by Chernobyl and stuff like that. And Kiev is the capital. Also, they have Crimea down here. So they have sort of like this pincer movement going on they have this entire region that they were able to push in to the west from crimea down to the south pushing up and then minsk belarus whatever coming down from the north and kiev is just so close where have we seen that before uh world war ii so what happened when Hitler decided to start annexing Austria, Hungary, and what he called the Sudetenland, which is just like a bordering region around Czechoslovakia or former Czechoslovakia, um, that was partial to Germany, and he just walked in and took it. And then eventually, once he was able to start taking things, and then he just started invading. So at what point does Russia go back and try to get the land that they lost? Hitler's excuse was actually very even more simpler than that. It was just Germany needs this land. It's historical German land. So I guess it was a little bit sort of the same thing, but there are just so many parallels that I see with this. Well,
1: he Mm -hmm. also was talking about, I mean, you're talking about the policy of appeasement um, and uh, the fact that, you know, all the countries were just basically, Hey, if we let him have this land, you know, we won't start another world war. Like they were already on edge about world war Mm one. And, um, so wow. one of like the main things that uh, he was trying to do is, you know, he kept trying to say he's like, oh, you know, I'm trying to protect all the Germans in this these lands right here. So we're gonna, you know, annex these lands and protect them, which is basically the same thing that um, Putin's trying to, to say. He's like, oh, we're protecting, you know, our fellow Russians from these neo Nazis, you know, constantly saying the Nazis, 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 right. which. Doesn't make Which th-
0: I mean, nobody understands what that even means. What like what does that mean that he's trying to denazify Ukraine?
2: Yeah, I mean, if anything, there's more in Jewish. America than there are in the Ukraine.
0: Well, no, there's yeah, there's actually a ton here. I just I just don't understand. It's not like also why would anybody settle there? That was that was part of Russia in before and after World War II, anyways. So they had their chance to get rid of it. Like, I don't understand why they think there would be some kind of major insurgency there. I know that obviously close to there, they captured some 300,000 plus German troops. But, like, I don't remember what they did with them. They probably just killed them.
1: Probably. For the most part, they killed them or put them in concentration camps. They are not nice. A lot of the times the Germans would literally run to surrender to the Americans. <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: No. Yeah. And I would absolutely. Do. But over in this area, you don't even have that choice. You yeah. probably either just shoot yourself or just get shot later. Exactly. Um, but yeah. what do you expect when you kill 20 million Russians? Yeah. Well, I mean, I... I'm i not saying that they weren't right to do that. Well, I mean, actually they were not right to do that. It's not like every single one of the 17, 18 million, you know, member of the German army was 100% a dickhead, like a dickhead. There there are people indoctrinated into this, and so many of them too young
1: to understand what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, just like any modern army, the German army had two branches. They had, you know, the SS, which were the elite, which those were the people who were the diehard people who believed in every single thing that Hitler said, and then you had, like, the main army. Yeah, and the main army, for the most part, you know, they were just conscripts which you know they were following orders you know they didn't really i mean some of them i'm sure believed in what hitler was spewing but you know there's also those who are just like all right i'm just here to protect the motherland or whatever um and then i'm assuming I, you know, I can't say 100%, but I'm assuming it's pretty much the same with the Russian side. You have those Russians who are, you know, hardcore believers of what Putin's spewing. And then you also have, probably for the main part, a lot of them who are just conscripts following his orders.
0: Right. And and this is also a country, too, where you're forced to have that. What we see a lot in the world, forced to serve the military for two years, at least. Unless, actually, they do have like a caveat to that. If you go through a master's program, you're just done. You don't actually have to serve. But most people are not intellectuals in Russia and don't go out of their way to go through graduate school and stuff like that, because like, what does it even, what's what's even the point? But I mean, they, for what it's worth, I guess they do have those types of things. If you want to commit to education more, then you all of a sudden don't have to serve in the military. But um, starting a couple years ago, I know that they started giving out um, stipends to people having children. So you were given a. And still are probably given a government stipend to have a child you get double that if you have two children and i think it stops there just because the economy probably can't handle giving out more money to people to have kids but i mean there's a reason for this so when you look at when we try to draw parallels to things like world war ii and stuff that was before the age of atomic weapons nuclear weapons everything so going to war was just as simple as land invasion or, mm-hmm. or whatever but today, that is way different. So what does invasion look like today? Or what does war look like today? How do we see that even going? Did, is it? It's not just going to start out as all nuclear war, because if anybody wants that, and that's just a total, just like that ends it. That's just how it is. What do we see? If, if we go to war with Russia, Biden's already said that we're not going to be fighting in Ukraine. We're sending troops over there. He just ordered 7,000 additional ones that already... To the ones that already exist so if putin tries to do something else and we end up going to war what does that look like
1: so me and you kind of discussed this a little bit um basically a war no matter what nowadays would not be good just because um you know it would start off similar to world war ii style and invasion and all that type of stuff where you have like the modern tanks fighting modern tanks and everything but when it comes down to it whichever side starts losing like if russia started losing they have an atomic deterrent which means basically hey all right we're losing screw it launch the nukes and then
0: do you think they wouldn't just draw draw a line in the sand and try to have some kind of peace agreement before they launch the nukes. Do you think they would probably just do it? No. They would just do it. Well, the other no, thing I, is too I, I, is the, I
2: think I think they would just do it. They'd be like, "No, nah, Murlo's and screw you guys."
0: Well, the other thing is too is they've got China to back them up, and they have the manpower.
2: Yeah, but it's gonna take them a minute to get over to the Himalayas. Jeez.
0: I mean, they got to get through a ton of ter- terrain. Deterrence <laughs> or difficulties a cold there. Desert
2: of Mongolia to get there.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, but they'll be able to do it in time, probably. Like the only thing that like China has a problem with right now is their infrastructure sucks really bad. They can't like their transportation in- infrastructure is shitty. They're building it up, and it's going to be world class by like when they're done. Which I think they're saying like twenty thirty or something is when they're supposed to be like back on track with the rest of the world. And when that happens, it's a problem. So is it almost not more proactive to try to stop them now? And do you think, is anybody even thinking about that? Who's thinking ahead to those types of things? Because Russia's obviously, I mean, China's obviously backing Russia.
1: Yeah. So most of China's modern cities are on the east side of China, Um and those are the ones with the good infrastructure. If you go over towards the West sides of China, you know, it's mostly farm towns and smaller cities that, you know, like you said, like the infrastructure is just not there yet. So if anything were to try and happen military wise, it would take a lot of effort to get all their military over to the, uh, over to the East and, uh, right now their naval capabilities are not up there either though i think they just developed their first aircraft carrier Uh,
0: i'm surprised they haven't
1: i think that probably surprised anybody that they didn't have that yet yeah i'm I'm pretty sure they just came out with that like literally in the last yeah november 2013 is when they started constructing it
0: and the problem
1: is too obviously their manufacturing capabilities
0: are just through the roof they're not necessarily great, they have to make them better, but they have it there. And as soon as they start to get their act together, they just have every ability to outproduce everyone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So, but if we go back to talking about Russia, at least, at what point does their economy not allow them to sustain a conflict in Europe anyways, just alone? So they're number, they're number 11 in GDP. And if you look at their, they're going to become strictly dependent on themselves and and China if we totally cut them off. So I think that we had maybe mentioned SWIFT earlier that might have just been before we went on the air. And I kind of want Aaron to describe what SWIFT is and how that, why that matters in where we're at with rejecting Russia from this organization.
1: So if you go to like Bloomberg, um, they have a nice article that kind of describes what Swift is, which stands for Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunication. Um, it's currently overseen by the Bank of Belgium, and it's it allows like delivering of like secure messages between uh, a ton of fi- I think it's eleven. Yes, eleven thousand financial institutions and companies. Um, with over like 200 different countries. So it interconnects like basically the entire world, um, the, all the banking institutions. So cutting off Russia from that would basically isolate them even further, um, making them almost completely dependent on their economy. Right.
0: Uh, and, and right. Yeah, exactly. So if we look at Russia's economy, we can see that this is coming from Investopedia. This was published. Oh, it was updated today. Okay, so Russia's GDP is primarily made up of three sectors, that be agricultural, industrial, and service industries. The agricultural sector makes up less than 4%. Russia, historically, has not been able to feed themselves. They have been really bad at it, and that is obviously a major problem. That's where China comes
1: in, because they're lucky to have them uh let's see what else do we have in here i mean russia is basically permafrost 24 7 so <laughs> i
0: mean they have so much area but most of it is uninhabitable and most of it obviously you can't farm with then uh, which would just be the southern regions which is stuff like near ukraine and, and things like that and all that region they lost that's the farmable land that they need so their industrial and service makes up um let's see industrial makes up 30 percent, and the service industry makes up 56.3 percent. so more than half Of their economy is strictly dependent on services alone slash industrial capabilities with absolutely no way to feed or power these things other than that the fact that they obviously have these natural resources which sort of saves them so how long do you think realistically russia could sustain being independent while fighting a war
2: Probably not a whole lot especially like the food the food standpoint of it because I mean really other than the Moscow area where the hell else are you gonna farm
0: Anything you just south of there but it's not a lot um, right and
2: you don't have enough land for it I mean look at the size of that country look how many people are in it you, you don't have enough to feed that you don't even have you don't even have enough food resource to feed an army unless you want to go fishing in the Black Sea that's about all you can
0: do right. And we're talking about a country with what they're near 200 million people right now, right? With something like that. Let me look up what their population is.
2: I was, I don't know, they're behind us.
1: So, and then basically touching on what you briefly talked about um, Ukraine area being the portion where a lot of the crops are grown. Uh, Ukraine is actually one of the major producers of crops in the world so I think a, the biggest by invading in the yeah so by invading them it's basically allowing Russia to have the food necessary which is basically if you want to draw more parallels you, from World War II, um, Germany had an oil problem which was one of the main reasons right. why they went and invaded Russia in the first place which also which is specifically stalingrad region the Volga Uh, region, yes and that is right by ukraine
0: yep so uh so obviously really important for a few different reasons this gives russia the ability to sustain themselves longer in a european conflict because now they don't have to be reliant on as much on china because it's going to take forever to get there considering they have to go through basically the whole of the middle east and um go around the Caspian Sea and sort of get up to Russia, especially the place where people are. Um, According to macro trends, the Russian population right now is 145 million. It's small. Most of those people are probably um, from the Soviet Union and are dying off. Because I remember in the 2008 Olympics, they were saying that they were like 180. They've lost 40 million people since then. And people, and that's again, the incentives coming from having children and stuff like that.
1: Uh
0: So how does the invasion of Ukraine affect Putin's control over Russia overall? So let's just say that their their economy has obviously slumped. The ruble is at an all-time low. Their stock markets went hard down. They're able to supply themselves with oil, but it's still over $100 a barrel. So what does that mean for the regular citizen of Russia? And if this keeps going on, they've been through way too much in the last 100 years as it is, 122 years, basically. um, How does all of this affect Putin's ability to control his country?
1: Well, if you follow trends from, like I said, World War II, if you want to draw parallels like that again, all all he has to do, and basically what he's been doing, is blame it on a different population. And if you're able to blame your problems on somebody else, then you know, it basically takes all the blame off of you. And then at the same time, if you're being like, hey, well, look what I'm doing. I'm making us great by, you know, I, I got us all this farmland in Ukraine, I, you know, we're showing the world how strong we are as a superpower. You know, we're we're proving everything while at the same time blowing off all of your mistakes and pushing that onto, a, like I said, a different population. It's, you can maintain that control, which he is, undoubtedly an expert at over these right. years unfortunately but um i mean it's not that i know if he's going to be able to keep it up permanently um but i don't really see it having like too much of an effect on the general population of russia in my opinion
0: yeah i mean I think if think
1: get that the longer it goes
0: on the worse it is for them
1: yeah because yeah, eventually if it goes on the economy suffers
2: because we'll eventually us and the powers in Europe will eventually will try to suffocate them economically. At some point, the people are going to get fed up, and it could be like before World War II in Russia when the so when the Russian Revolution happened, because they will... Oh, wow. I think the people in Russia trying to overthrow them if they can't, you know, get anywhere with this invasion or economically in Russia.
0: And that was sort of the idea with the Treaty of brest that was World War One. And that was 1917 when they drew up the treaty because they started having that civil war. Largely funded by Germany, but all for good reasons. Right. At what point does NATO even step in? So today, or last night, um, Russia pushed towards Kiev. Um, they haven't taken it yet, and they there's obviously been a lot of resistance. Um, I'm reading an article from the Times of Israel, which is talking about um, a U.S. special task force that had offered to go take President Zelensky out of the capital and he rejected it. So he's just saying that the fight is here and he doesn't want to ride out of here. He wants help support to fight, to keep his land. So, and then we were talking about, um, peace talks too. And Turkey was going to be one of the places that they wanted to meet at, because I guess that they're really friendly with both nations. As of this morning, um, Putin pronounced peace talks dead. He doesn't even want to entertain that idea anymore. So it sounds like, you know, according to that, peace talks are totally off the table and he's just going to press through. So what point do we step in?
1: So right now, I don't think NATO's ever going to add their military to this conflict, period. Uh, Just because it's not a NATO country. But I Biden this morning, uh was it this morning or last night, uh put the six hundred million dollar plan into action. To- I thought it was
0: three fifty. Uh, All together three fifty. I think altogether it's six hundred from what he's given them already, plus this three fifty.
1: Okay, yeah. Isn't an, th- an extra three fifty million in military aid, which yeah. is, you know, um a big thing. A lot of the countries like Poland, um, not Belarus. <laughs> what is it uh i don't know a couple of the countries around there they're giving them military aid, not military military units per se but military weapons like aa which is severely needed to uh, defend themselves well poland specifically is is getting more troops they are adding poland's actually adding troops
0: well the u.s is adding troops putting them in poland
1: okay well i mean like i knew that like the U- U.S. was giving troops, like, like stationing them there, but I didn't think that, like, you were actually putting boots on ground in Ukraine, so, which um, is, yeah. Yeah, no. Okay. but uh, Sorry, that
0: was confusing the way that I tried to interject there.
1: No worries. Yeah, but no, NATO's not going to touch this at all just because it's not a NATO country, which right. also... Leads to another talking point. <laughs>
0: well, who else is he threatening, though? Um, you had brought up some stuff yesterday that he had was threatening what Sweden and
1: uh, Norway. Yes, Sweden and Norway. Um, I actually have an article up about that. Um, gotta f- find that one. So, Sorry. like for background,
0: there are other countries, obviously in Europe, that are not part of NATO. That would presumably like to become part of NATO and we would also like to have them, um, for yeah. better or worse reasons. I don't know why they weren't part of it before. Maybe they just wanted to be independent. They wanted their own, they wanted to just have more independence than NATO would allow them. But now with this threat of Russia happening, um, Ukraine wasn't part of it and they see that as their territory and they see most of Eastern Europe as their territory anyways. If you want to stretch it as far as you can, you could say the half of Poland is theirs.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> So um, it was two days ago, uh, Russia's speaker came across and said that if, um, if you know, Sweden and Norway were to actually try and join NATO, that there would be sweeping political as well as military repercussions, um, which is kind of dumb because it's like, well, you know, Ukraine didn't join NATO and got invaded. So it's like join NATO, get invaded, don't join NATO, get invaded. So would you rather get invaded and have the forces of NATO behind you or would you rather be like Ukraine, get invaded and, you know, everybody just kind of stands there and watches as, as, you know, Russia just runs a train over you. Right.
0: I, this also, I mean, obviously beforehand, um the last conflict that we saw in Europe, it was No one would see what was happening within minutes like we do now. There wasn't a Reddit to post things on before. This is obviously incredibly um, terrible PR for Russia. So at we'll what point do other countries decide that they want to help out too, whether that's with the military or that's with sending aid or something? Also, how likely are that our aid even gets to them? So like, what are supply lines like in Ukraine now? Anyways, I don't know the answer to this. I can't imagine that they're great. Um, if we're sending $350 million in aid, if that's straight up, like how do you get it there? If, they're, if Kiev is being bombarded right now, how do you even get in there to help them?
1: That's I mean, a great question.
2: That actually, that's a good question. I don't know if you guys saw the picture of, like, the commercial airlines in Europe and around Russia and Ukraine. There is a giant circle around the whole entire border of Ukraine. So they're not letting any commercial flights go through. I mean, which, number one, it's smart.
0: Well, what the – why would you <laughs> – they're also not letting them – well, they're probably letting them leave, but they have a ban on um, men over eighteen leaving. Yeah.
2: And – um. Yeah, I don't know how you go about that. Like, I don't know where you come in through because, like I said, you said, Kiev's getting, you know, more right now. Like, I don't know how you... The only way I can think you can get in is if you have to go through, what, the, what's it, the southwestern part of it? But that's,
1: what, like, Turkey? Uh, area, well, southwestern Romania, part of Romania, Pol- Moldova, yeah. Poland. Yeah, yeah so...
0: Well. Uh, yeah, and obviously the Polish part. But, I mean, you get through there, you still have to go through a, what... I think they said it was 800 miles from Poland. Yeah, it's from Poland to Kiev, which is where they specifically is needed. You can build up other parts of the country. Um, how likely are they to even go there anyways? Because we're not going to draw a line. We're not going to start redrawing borders to where we're going to push it inward to where Ukraine is saved and now this is <laughs> like Vichy Ukraine, like Vichy France or something. Right. So I just don't even know how that even works. And I guess we'll see. Um, the aid itself, whatever that even is, probably has barely left the country. It's probably over the ocean or just landed in Europe or something like that, if it even has. It's just, it takes so long to get things there. And I don't wonder what that aid even includes. Is it just is it just dollars? But you have to buy it from somewhere, so why not send them equipment? Buy it and then send it to them. Does
1: anybody know that? I don't think they give out specifics like that, but usually when they're taking into account, like, numbers in that instance they're taking into account like oh this rocket launcher costs x amount of money so if you already have that rocket launcher unit and you're giving it to them that's basically part of that uh total number okay you know what I mean so
0: if, we, if you gave them two million dollars worth of rocket launchers that's just two million dollars worth them. of aid yeah basically okay. all right well, I mean that. I mean that makes sense to me. Obviously, they wouldn't say that, but I wonder historically what that has meant. I mean, it probably it has to mean armament in the first place, I guess. Um,
1: well, I'm sure it's armament. Um, a lot of the countries are actually giving them bulletproof armor, um, like for their soldiers on the ground, uh, small arms weapons, ammunition, rations, um, also communication equipment and stuff like that that they're severely lacking currently. Right. Uh, so we'll see and i also saw actually (laughs) um pictures of people uh welders creating um the russian spikes that were invented during world war ii to stop tanks um out of railroad ties um i'm trying to i can't remember the exact name of them currently but basically you take like three railroad ties and it, it almost makes like a like an X looking thing.
0: Yeah. 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 And,
1: and you just drop it in the middle of the road, and any tank that tries to go over it, its tracks are just completely destroyed. Right. Which, like I said, ironically, Russia was the one that invented that in World War II. So, right. yeah, they're making a are ton the same of
0: those people that fought in that. I mean, yeah, they're no different. Um, yeah. We also have the added issue, too, is they're not like, obviously, they're not attacking their own infrastructure right now because there's still tens of millions of people in. The country like if you look where tanks even are at no one's blowing up roads to try to stop them no one's like they're not trying to destroy their own country while they're still in it because they're still trying to fight to push them out of it too
1: mm-hmm.
0: so i mean there's so much the they're not officially
1: occupied and they're mm-hmm. not trying to kick out the occupiers in a sense so yeah they want to keep everything intact I, I, will say this though, I mean a lot of this looks just like what happened too with afghanistan So, which is, yes, it's true because, um, well, I would say even Iraq, um, if you look at Iraq, they didn't start using IEDs until, you know, like almost like a year in, um, after like, we had like gone in there and, you know, done all of our part, they started doing the IEDs like on the sides of the roads, because, you know, at that point we were occupiers, we were no longer invaders. so. Uh, and i guess you like i said you could drop kind of parallels to this so like if russia did stay in here for a year then i could see them start blowing i mean they've already blown yeah, bridges lost so it's russia then yeah.
0: do you I mean do we see that happening i mean
1: if we're not going to help them physically
0: then i don't see how i mean ukraine's going to be part of russia again
1: unfortunately
0: it looks like mm-hmm. um it's crazy that literally what a year and a month basically into biden's term and he has completely defined his legacy basically <laughs> he's had to deal with probably the toughest situations other than the civil war the great depression world war ii and i guess nine eleven. but this is at least nine eleven was isolated and they're they were more reactive with that to somebody who wasn't as big a threat i mean
1: yeah that's very true A small group of terrorists. Yeah. So So, we're just one year into this, I guess. So, I
0: mean, at this point, what are even some options that we could do strategically to try to deter this from going across Ukrainian borders and into anywhere else? Like, what are the... Everything that we do is going to end up being threatening to Russia.
1: So Um, how does it get de-escalated? At this point... There's not much to do to deescalate, only to mitigate. You know, like you said, which is kind of like what NATO's doing by activating all their forces in the region. Which, like you said, once again is almost like you know pissing Russia off. But at the same time, if you have your forces active, it's not gonna Russia's not gonna want to like keep pushing forward with them knowing, hey, there's gonna be a fight waiting, basically. Right.
0: right. And if we do anything about it, obviously we have Russia to deal with, and then there's the Chinese problem, which I am, and I think I've said this before, at least, I am totally okay with being independent from China. I'm totally okay with the trade war with them. I'm actually not even so much for a trade war other than just flat out kind of cut off, but we need to build ourselves up to be more manufacturing again. To do mm-hmm. that because we're just, we are way too reliant on them in the first place. I don't understand why people want to keep giving them reasons to grow. I mean, it's cheap. It's cheap labor. You can sell it cheap here. That keeps people happy. That reduces inflation costs because now you don't have to produce on your own. And inflation's already a problem. What does all of this do to our economy anyways? I mean, gas prices are obviously going to go up. And when gas prices go up, food goes up because transportation of food is now more costly.
1: Are you talking about uh, if like a conflict with China or are you talking about what this conflict with Ukraine is doing to our economy?
0: Both. So um, the one, the last thing that I just touched on there was what the conflict with Ukraine is doing to our economy currently. Um, the other thing was just if we were trying to be independent from China. And I'm just seeing that as a long term issue. It's not obviously what's happening right now necessarily. but. Then look
1: at Taiwan. So, well, Jesse, do you want to say anything? <laughs>
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, well, that's the thing. Like, Russia's number two exporter of oil, and that's going to drive up prices because they're going to be assholes about it. Because whatever we do, even if, even you know, we, you know, let's say we put people in Germany, it's going to piss them off. It's like we're not even close to you. Go, you know, go fuck yourself. <laughs> um. So with that point, with that being said, if they're going to raise the price of oil because they're the number two exporter, we got a few big pipelines here that we uh, shut down for a while. We can sustain ourselves for a while, and right. so them economically, because we're not giving them money, we're probably one of their biggest customers of oil right now. I would have to assume. So we just depend on them, and you know the Middle East. You know we depend on ourselves in the Middle East. That's going to bring our prices down and they're going to, you know, be losing out on a ton of money because they're not exporting as much oil as they normally are.
1: Now, right, they, have, now they have
2: a surplus, that so they're able to, you know. It'll help the war machine, but, again, if you can only take Ukraine and that's it, but, I mean, okay, you can grow food, but eventually you're going to have a famine because even when you were the Soviet Union you had all that farmland, you still had a famine, right? I mean,
1: we still have incredibly large oil reserves, too.
2: We just don't need self-sufficient
1: we we want to be. We're actually exporting more oil than we're importing currently, which is insane. But we also have uh one of the reasons we fought the Gulf War, uh we have Kuwait. (laughs) We have Kuwait as an ally, um, you know, Saudi Arabia, UAE, uh, you know, all those in the Middle East countries that are huge exporters of oil as well, not just Russia. To rely on so i mean like i'm sure that because russia is one of the main ones that gas prices are always going to go up which once again like you said this that adds to the food that adds to basically everything in your daily life so everything's going to go up a little bit just because of the conflict that's just how it works unfortunately but things will kind of taper off and either stay there or return to normal within probably it it usually takes about one to two years from the start of whatever it is that happened
2: yeah that's like even after 9-11 i remember my parents you know complaining about how gas prices went up with that you know conflict and it feels like almost any conflict you know that's when economies fluctuate for some reason
0: i've always i mean because you're you're the 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 supply chains are all destroyed then or it's called
1: economic uncertainty yeah right so I mean, also, that was a conflict specifically with the Middle East. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, that didn't help anybody.
0: So as we start to wrap up, I wanted to try to at least give some, because this subject has been pretty um, bleak. I wanted to try to give some, you know, lighter things to end on, but um, it seems like within the last day, those have all started to go away. So again, peace talks are being totally rejected by by Putin now. He has no interest in it. Um,
2: well, I was going to say, I don't know if you guys heard, there is a, I just saw this on the news before I uh, hopped on here. There was a liquor store in Wichita, Kansas that they are getting, ready, getting rid of every single Russian brand vodka they have. like Made, from, made in Russia, yeah. There were video of them just dumping it out in front. I'm like, I mean, that's funny, but like, what, 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 really, what's that going to do? I, well, right. But I mean, it's just, it's more of like a nephew.
0: Like, just take their potatoes. Like, then they can't make vodka. Um, do they make a lot of potato vodka? I think it's wheat-based, isn't it? I
2: think it's a combination. I think you can make vodka either way with the wheat or...
0: You can, but I don't But potatoes, like, considerably more expensive.
2: Probably. I mean... It's probably more weed, just because, you
0: know, Ukraine. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Well, anyways, um, like the region around um, St. Petersburg, I know, produces a lot of it. There's yeah. a lake there that they use to get their water from, for some reason, they think is better than everything else. I am um, not a vodka expert, so. <laughs> uh, lake Ladoga La- La- or Lagoda, I can't remember then how it goes. I haven't bought that in a while. And I'm not going to do it anymore, either. I'm totally fine. No, you're, you're, um, you just buy Merck and vodka and just buy Tito's. I'm totally fine with just Cheetos. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> there
1: you go. Or you can so, just um, stick the bourbon and whiskey.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty much. I mean, it's cold out anyway, so.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you, you need something to warm you up.
0: <laughs> right, so. exactly. So anyways, um, you know, this this is obviously a very fluid situation. There are going to be tons of more updates. The stuff we're talking about right now is probably going to be irrelevant. Um, A lot of the sources that I was gathering, like in the week leading up to this, I just had to toss out because they were just, they weren't relevant anymore. Two days old and, you know, that was, or two and a half days old and that was before the invasion even happened. So there's like... Yeah, I mean, if you about recording
2: this on, what, Wednesday or Thursday, then here we are, and it's, you know, we're probably
0: just getting to the tip of the iceberg. Right, there's probably six different articles that I was going to try to reference that I just, it doesn't make any sense anymore. <laughs> so at this point, Kyiv is still part of Ukraine, and Ukraine is still a thing that could be different in a week from now. Hope it's not. Right. Um, I get. we're just going to have to monitor it and see how things go. I don't know when we're going to be back uh, for this program specifically. Um, if anybody had noticed anything different from the first season, my voice does sound different. My tassels are three times larger than they should be. Knock it. like Just leave me alone. And I'm going to get that fixed. And I won't be able to talk for a couple weeks. So we're probably still talking a little while out from uh, going into season two of The Modern Method. And um, we'd love to have Aaron back on for that if he so chooses. And until that time, um, everybody stay safe and – We will be back.